Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant, and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers, and certainly hope you're enjoying your weekend. Lexington Mayor Linda Gorton is our primary guest today, and there is a lot to catch up on. COVID numbers are climbing again as we enter August. Cases are 10 times as high as they were when July started. Violence in Lexington has led to the news and being on the front pages in recent months many times as the city is dealing with a record rate of shootings and homicides. What is being done to try to turn that around? Lexington is getting more money from the American Rescue Plan. We'll ask the mayor how she hopes to put that to use or the input she's seeking. And a study is looking at Nicholasville Road and the traffic gridlock out there. It's been a challenge for decades, but it's getting even busier. And progress continues on Central Bank Center and the Town Branch Commons Park and Trail System that will bring a strip of the bluegrass right through downtown Lexington. So a lot to discuss with Lexington Mayor Linda Gorton and we welcome you. It's good to see you and good to have you back in studio for the first yes, time. Thank you. Good to see you, Bill. <laughs> Not back. on Zoom. Exactly. You're back to meetings at City Hall yes. and that must feel better. Yes. But Mayor, you know, things were looking so encouraging uh, in the pandemic and getting things under control. Now this Delta variant uh, certainly has upended things again. It started pushing the numbers up and the level of concern back up. Uh, will the new guidance uh, that is now coming from the CDC and the state uh, with all of that out there, does that change your outlook on, on how the city is dealing with things or recommendations for schools and so forth? Well, it's interesting. Fayette County is the third highest vaccinated county in Kentucky. And of course, vaccines are a key. They're the key. And here in Fayette, we are, for people 18 and over, we are 67.7% fully vaccinated. Now that's almost 70. Remember when everybody talked about herd immunity being around 70%, 98% of our seniors are fully vaccinated, 98%. So we need to keep that up. I mean, that has not changed for me. People need to keep getting vaccinated. We're still going door to door and canvassing and having those neighborhood clinics. And of course, we are internally discussing what we'll do about masking now that the governor's um, recommendations and, and his action at uh, state government occurred. You had some people uh, working from home. Does that mm -hmm. uh, re-enter the picture? Well, we have not discussed that right now. We had several hundred working from home during the height of the pandemic, and it worked very well for us. We know it's possible now, and we have a few people who have stayed working remotely. That's on a division-by-division -division basis within government. So, you know, these are the kind of decisions that we take one at a time based on the, you know, the the advice we get from the CDC and from Dr. Humball here at the Fayette County Health Department. What has this uh, past year and a half been like to be, <laughs> you know, in charge of city government and to uh, and, and to have uh, all of these issues out there? Uh, and and there were uh, other things beyond uh, the pandemic that mm -hmm. uh, that arose during that time uh, that were up for discussion. Uh, how has that been? Well, one visual would be a roller coaster ride. <laughs> you know, we had everything from purely dealing with the pandemic, the health crisis. We had the economic piece. We've had the uh, social unrest piece. We, 
we and and you remember in February we had an ice storm, a snowstorm, a sleet storm. Sure. So you know, I said to my husband one day, we might as well just throw it all in there. <laughs> and he said, don't say that. Yeah, a parking garage <laughs> but it collapse. Has been, uh, you, know, yeah. you know, I have a fabulous team, and it's all about the team and how we work together to figure out what the next best step is. So again, it appears Lexington is really starting to bustle again. Certainly the restaurants are, are, mm -hmm. are back busy and, and some of the businesses and stores. Do you have concerns that uh, you know, there could be a, a setback on the horizon? Well, our economy is going great guns right now and our, we are back to our pre-pandemic unemployment levels. We're below four, just below 4% unemployment. That's really good. And that's where we were before we went into the pandemic. So uh, there are always concerns because in Lexington and Fayette County, our economy is driven by jobs. And our government is funded mostly by the revenues that they create and generate and so we're always looking at the best ways to help the economy from the government perspective and we did a lot of that along the way during the pandemic um, we have helped businesses in many different ways starting with that seems like a long time ago we allowed restaurants to start serving on patios parking lots they went out into the street a little bit and we did various things throughout the year to help our businesses. I, I think they were all very important to keeping our economy as strong as it could be during the pandemic. And of course, we helped people, you know, so. The programs to protect people from evictions mm -hmm. uh, and to help landlords as well are, are ending. Uh, it, it appears that at least going into this weekend that nothing was going to change on that. Uh, at this point, is there anything the city can do to assist, and are, are there places people can reach out to if they're uh, in a crisis a situation uh, as far as their home? Mm -hmm. Yes, we, all along the way, we have had a healthy, robust financial component to the help that we give people who are facing eviction, and we still have several million dollars available that we continue to uh, award. Now, people have to meet certain criteria in order to get that money, and, and it actually, we work with the landlords because uh, it, we actually, the money goes toward paying rent mm -hmm. to them. If I could say our website for people who need help, it's lexingtonky.gov slash rent help. And we are, we are committed to helping our folks who are in, you know, in need, who may, you know, face eviction. We have people in court with the judges and with the people who are facing eviction to help them and take it as far as we can with that piece too. On the long-term uh, home, home <laughs> affordability issue, uh, home prices keep climbing in Lexington. Uh, the Board of Realtors has uh, been pushing for some options for uh, maybe some more development and subdivisions and we all know the balance in Lexington certainly right with uh, mm -hmm. uh, development and, and and the horse farms and the in the, yes. the, the beauty of the region has it reached a point though where uh, something might have to give well you know Bill the interesting thing that people don't talk about is 
this is not um, just Lexington. It's across the country. And we have talked with cities who don't have growth boundaries and don't have heavy balance between agriculture and urban. And they still have this issue of home prices going up. It is a nationwide phenomena. So um, we have put in my budget, which the council approved this, we put more money in for affordable housing. It's very important that our people who cannot afford to purchase a home or rent a home who are on that lower end of the income spectrum have the ability to do so. So we are still putting a, a healthy amount of money into the affordable housing piece, which helps all of that. But, you know, this is, it, it's, a <clears throat> it's a mixed bag. We don't want housing prices to go down here for us to, you know, be losing value. That's a negative. So we're looking across the country at what other cities are doing also. Uh, the American Rescue Plan Act is <coughs> bringing uh, Lexington considerable money. Uh, how will that one-time money be allocated? Are you listening to the public on that, or do you have uh, some ideas? We absolutely are listening to the public. That's always important. So we will receive a total of about $120 million, half of it this year, half of it next year. And it, there are very specific guidelines. In general, it's meant to help people because of the things that happened during the pandemic. And so helping those most impacted. So there are a lot of rules that we're following. And we have gone to the community. If people go on our website, lexingtonky.gov slash ARPA, they can take our survey. We are looking forward to hearing from the public, and we've heard from about uh, over 1,500 people already. And that survey will close toward the end of August. We want to know what the public thinks. I mean, one, there was some proposal about uh, doing something out at Shilato Park as far as mm -hmm. a, an aquatic center. Is that still in play as a possibility? That was discussed and presented to the council, and they have not made any decisions on it. You know, there are a lot of things like that. I have proposed a senior center slash therapeutic center which we don't have one of those. And we have, we have all kinds of proposals which could fit in the different categories. Now, because this is federal money, we have to do a lot of documentation. So we're looking for sustainable projects that will have an impact for the future. We are not looking at $500 plantings here and $1,000 plantings there. We're looking at significant projects that will impact people. And when you do a project, are you considering you know, the long-term maintenance? Because this oh, money yes. it comes in and it's gone, right? Well, this is one of our guidelines. I worked with some leaders in my administration with the vice mayor and the chair and vice chair of budget and finance on the council to craft the process. And one of our guidelines is one-time money. So this needs to be a project that will not create a, you know, a cost going forward. And that will be a positive in terms of revenues. So there's a, you know, there are a lot of things to think about in how best to use the money. 
We're with Lexington Mayor Linda Gordon, and uh, the next discussion may be the toughest. We're coming back in a moment. We'll talk about uh, the violence uh, in Lexington, the issue that that has been, looking for solutions. We'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers in a moment. Welcome back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. Violence has been a tough problem in recent months in Lexington. The Herald-Leader reported in July that gang violence is behind many of the shootings out there. Lexington Mayor uh, Linda Gorton is continuing with us here on Kentucky Newsmakers. I know you have pushed the One Lexington initiative. Do you think that will bring results? Uh, I do. Um, I recently hired Divine Karama to be my director of One Lexington. One Lexington is totally focused on youth and violence and intervention and prevention. And, you know, last night at the public safety forum that we had, it was Divine Karama, Chief Lawrence Weathers, and myself. And he noted all of the partnerships that he has going on, people he's working with, with youth. And, you know, um, it's, quite a, it's quite a lengthy list. And the issue with violence is it's very complicated. Lexington's growing. We, are, we continue, even during the pandemic, to grow. And, you know, the bigger the city gets, the more potential there is for issues like this. And some of the good news is that um, this year we've had about 12.6% fewer random shootings than we did last year. Now, we look at those kinds of statistics and we say, oh, that's a good thing. Now, if the shooting is in your neighborhood, right. you and, don't care about the statistic, and, and right? And the homicides are on a, on a record yes. pace. The homicides are going up. And we do know, you mentioned the gang violence, we do know about the connection between the Chicago people and the Detroit people and, and the police are, are really focused on that because we're situated where we're right at two interstates. And it's very easy for the negative influences and the people to come in from other places. Not only do they bring guns, they bring drugs. And um, so this One Lexington initiative is going to be, um, you know, Divine's kind of ramping it up. He'll start working with Cities United very soon, and they are all about uh, community violence and intervention of that. We come in, Mayor, so, so often in the mornings, you know, and there's been another shooting mm -hmm. or two yes. or three and it's buildings and, 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 and bullets into cars and, and, and unfortunately all too often people. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think when you hear those reports? Well, um, I'm distressed, of course. I don't want our community to be an unsafe place. And we focus a lot on safety. You know, I've said before, if we don't have a safe community, the rest of it, the arts, the parks, the fun, the quality of life, you know, if you're not safe, those things don't matter as much. So it does concern me. I work very closely with the chief and the police and Divine and the other folks who are working on all of this. And we're determined to make a difference. Poverty was cited as a, as a major contributing factor mm -hmm. at, the, at the first of these uh, meetings that you held. Uh, do you, you think that is a, a contributing uh, part of it? Oh, I definitely think it is. You know,
know, it's not all about guns. It's about poverty. It's about having enough to eat. It's about having a shelter, a permanent shelter over your head. You know, those are kind of the systemic things that need, um, and we're giving them a lot of attention. And, um, you know, if you think about youth, for example, if they're hungry, they're not going to be able to concentrate on the normal things that youth would want to concentrate on. And so poverty is one of those. We've recently opened our work Lex uh, Center at the Charles Young Center that's job training and workforce. And things like that are going to make a big difference. The FOP has cited some statistics, including uh, FBI recommendations, that a city of Lexington size should have about 900 sworn police officers. The authorized strength is closer to 600 here, and there are a lot of vacancies. Uh, is there a plan to address that in, in what some believe is, is a shortage of officers on the street? Well, in my current budget that was passed by the council, I put two recruit classes, and each class has about 40 to 45 recruits in it. This is police. And I also expanded the authorization to add six new officers. They are specifically the neighborhood resource officers. Lexington went to community policing long before many other cities did. And what these neighborhood resource officers do is they specialize, if you will, in a neighborhood. So they work in that neighborhood. They know the people who live there. They know the business owners. They know the crime. They know the issues. It's very effective policing. And the other thing that we have done is we have crafted a partnership with New Vista. New Vista provides mental health counseling, um, you know, emergency intervention, that sort of thing. And so when our police are called to the scene and they realize this is probably a mental health issue that they need to deal with, they can call New Vista and they partner with them. We've added social workers. This is, you know, this is not the kind of policing that was 30 or 40 years ago. It's uh, much Would you say it, is, it has evolved even over the last year since oh, yes. uh, the, the social uh, yes. uh, unrest that we spoke of earlier? Yes, we, we have, and we have, we are in the middle of getting going on our violence program with the, cert the physicians at the emergency room at UK. I mean, all kinds of new and different things where, you know, gunshot wound victim comes in, they have someone, the surgeon or the doctor can contact immediately to get this process going where they get on a track that's a better track and they get the services they need. There's a, a study group looking at Nicholsville Road traffic, yes. <laughs> as has been the case for decades. Uh, and, uh, you know, the population growth, as you say, if, if, if a city's not uh, growing, it's dying, so you want mm -hmm. that, certainly. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, on the south end of town and out around the Jessamine County line, uh, the, the traffic is often gridlocked. Uh, what do you expect them to, uh, to come forth with in terms of any solutions? Well, you know, I drive Nicholasville Road into work every single day. Right. <laughs> And of course, I love the reversed lanes because they move a lot of traffic. Now, Lexington's trying to get people to use alternative transportation. And one of the recommendations, I believe, is going to be dedicated bus lane. 
Now the issue with that from my perspective, and I, I've ridden the buses before, they're clean, they're efficient, they're on time, they're, Lextran does a great job. I live a mile from there, so I would need to walk a mile to catch the bus. So from my perspective, that one issue will not really be fixed until the buses can go into the neighborhoods and get the people who live three quarters or a mile from the bus. And so it's, a, it's tricky that way. You know, uh, that bus lane would take away the reversible, you know, they would take away the reversible lanes more than likely. So you, you know the history. You, you, yes. don't, you don't look at some of these, uh, <laughs> you know, some of the big, there was a crosstown connector proposal yes. back some yes. years ago that would go from downtown to sort of behind Fayette Mall and over to Jasmine County and it was yes. determined that the property uh, acquisition would be just impossible on that. There was talk of an outer loop uh, uh -huh. that would maybe go through other counties counties. Uh, there's been talk of a connection between Jessamine County and I-75. Yes. Those things, is, is that, are, are those uh, part of the solution? Well, the Nicholasville Road issue, I think, is kind of its separate, its own separate thing because of so many people coming back and forth from Jessamine County. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of its own special problem, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> all right, more study on that. Uh, all right, exciting things uh, with the Central Bank Center, which oh, is yes. now uh, you know looking to be like a, more of a landmark, and the Town Branch Commons uh, also. Yes, yeah, Central Bank Center. If I mean, if you haven't driven downtown to see it coming along, people need to do that. It's due to be finished around the first of next year. 2022 and it's very exciting it's um, you know it expands the capability for conferences for uh, shows you know garden you think mm -hmm. garden shows comic-con yeah. any kind of show yeah. and so it will bring in lots and lots of people which we really like that you know it's part of our tourism and then the Town Branch Commons Trail is really coming along. If people have driven Vine Street, they know that that we've completed um, a lot of it along Vine Street. We're now working really heavily on Midland, and um, so it will all connect up, you know, eventually. And um, that will not be finished till a little bit later. Mm -hmm. I think it's maybe early 23, possibly. Um, but it will be, um, people already use the part that's finished. I've seen walkers, I've seen bikers. People are enjoying it yeah, already. The, the Brighton so. trail that keeps moving yes. out of the bridge yes. across Man of War. Yes, yeah. and this, of course, will connect the Legacy Trail with the Town Branch Trail, and we'll have those 22 miles of continuous trail. All right. The 2022 filing deadline is just over five months away. Are you running again? Well, <laughs> wouldn't you ask? <laughs> you know, um, this job has been a great fit for me. And even in a pandemic, which is interesting. So I'm thinking about it right now, what my decision will be. We all hear there's a possibility that former Mayor Jim Gray may be interested in, in running again. Uh, could you uh, foresee a potential campaign against him? You you were allies for years. We I think we still are allies. Uh, you know, in politics, anything can happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I, 
you know, he's a friend and an ally, and um, I don't know what his decisions will be, but it'll all be okay in the end, right? You'll let us know what yours I'll is. I'll let so, you know right? what I decide. Mayor, yes. thank you for coming by. We appreciate Thanks, it very Bill. much. Stay with us. We'll be back on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. The U.S. is making some big changes overseas. President Biden says the U.S. combat mission in Iraq will end this year. Our chief national political analyst, Greta Van Susteren, explains. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here is your full court fast break. A major shift in the relationship between the U.S. and Iraq. This week, President Biden announcing the United States will end its combat mission in Iraq by the end of 2021. Our role in Iraq will be as a uh, dealing with not, it's just to be available to continue to train, to assist, to help, and to deal with ISIS as it, as it arrives. But uh, we are not going to be by the end of the year in a combat mission. Unfortunately, the battle against ISIS is not over. Iraqi forces are still looking for Islamic State fighters. On one of my trips to this war zone in 2017, I took these photos. They give you a glimpse of the viciousness of war and of ISIS. ISIS destroyed homes simply because the residents were not members of ISIS, and then they marked them with their sign. This Catholic church was taken over by ISIS for headquarters and then desecrated, burned. ISIS did the unthinkable to the Iraqi people and their children. And although the U.S. combat mission will soon be over, the Pentagon says troops will stay in the country to help advise and train the Iraqi military. Our nation owes a debt of gratitude to all the men and women who have courageously served in Iraq and also to their families. Want more Full Court Press? Tune in Sundays. We bring politics home covering the national stories that impact you. Reminder that you can catch Full Court Press with Greta Van Susteren at 11.30 this morning on WKYT. Well, that's Kentucky Newsmakers. Thank you so much for being with us today, and we certainly hope that you make it a good week ahead.